Hi, welcome to this edition of On Tap, presented by FCSI of the Americas. I'm Wade Kaler, Executive Director. On Tap this week, we welcome a consultant deeply embedded in the New York City hospitality scene. He's worked with clients ranging from Shake Shack to Le Cirque and many others around the nation and has an amazing eye for design. Please welcome to the show the president at Devella Studios, Mr. James Devella. Hi, James. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Wade. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, this whole on tap series has been to get to know our members a little bit better not only the other fcsi members but the public so before we get started the question i start out with everybody is kind of tell us a little bit about your background how you got started in the hospitality industry and what led you to become a food service consultant sure it all started when uh, i was growing up in an in, in italian family uh, where food service uh, was very important where we, you sat down, which you probably heard from other people, you know, during lunchtime, and you started talking about what are you going to have for dinner. It's very much the same way in my uh, my household as well. So uh, I had a knack for uh, working with my mother, my grandmother in the kitchen, and realized that it was something that uh, kept drawing me in. Right, you love to eat, so you love to cook. Yeah. Uh, for that reason, you know, I started focusing on the culinary arts very early on. So I started. Uh, working in restaurants. I started working in, in bars, uh, fish markets, uh, things like that, just to be around it. I did come from a family with a restaurant or food service uh, in our blood, uh, but it was something that, uh, that called me. And then I started focusing on going to a university uh, that would give me those capabilities. And um, mm. I started looking at Johnson & Wales University uh, to get my bachelor's, but then I started uh, expanding my my view of the restaurant industry and that's when cornell caught my eye uh, okay. and i realized that uh, it went from the the restaurant industry and it opened up to the hospitality industry very yeah. very wide and i was fortunate enough to to transfer into uh, the hotel school at cornell which really changed my whole view and my focus and that's when i started uh, taking some courses in more consulting and more design, which was led by Cini Little, of all firms. Yeah. So probably two years or so, or a year or so after I, uh, two years, I should say, after I graduated from Cornell, uh, I was in operations. I had worked for Aramark for a couple of years, and then I went back to independent restaurants where my, my passion always lied. Uh, but I was done with uh, operations, so I, I called my advisor at Cornell, and uh, I said, I want to leave operations. He said, what do you want to do? So I said, I want to do consulting. He says, I have two words for you. It was Sini Little. Yeah. Uh, two weeks later, I was sitting in front of Bill Eaton uh, in, the new, in, in their New York office. And uh, that started me on my formal education, I should say, <laughs> into how to be a consultant and um, really learn from, from the ground up. Yeah. Right? So there I was put into an office with a, a journeyman called Val Reinhardt, who's no longer with us, but he had already 40 years in the business. He was a draftsman by trade. So he taught me how to draw and I taught him how to operate. Mm. So we had a really good partnership yeah. where I was able to take all my chef and operating skills. And he was able to show me uh, how to draft, how to work on a board, how to lay things out. And uh, that's where I was, you know, uh, growing up in the family of Sini Little. Bill Eaton, obviously, we spent quite a bit of time him being a Cornell grad as well. 
And I learned through the ranks uh, with John Cini, with Jim Little, uh, Ron Couser, and people like Harry Schildkraut, mm-hmm. uh, which we still talk today, and many yeah. other alumni from the Cini yeah. Little family. We have all been able to you know, take our passions, maybe open a business, maybe go to uh, another firm. And that's where, um, you know, it took me to then eventually uh, incorporate my own firm yeah. in 2005. It's amazing to me, uh, you know, in all these interviews, I have always known how big of a footprint Cindy Little has had in this industry and especially in the food service consultant side. But it really is amazing to me how many of you get your start at, at a firm and, and how they still today st- are churning people out and, and mm-hmm. people get their start there. And, and granted, there's a lot more firms available now than there were back uh, in, in the sixties and seventies and stuff that some of the people I've talked to, but it still really yeah. is an amazing firm and what the people that it's produced over the years. And the, and not only the people it, it produced, is. but the quality of people like yourself and others that, that have really, not only just become a consultant, but went on their own and became very, very successful at themselves and their own firms. It, as I said before, it was very strong foundations, uh, yeah. very good ethics, very good morals. What it was to be a professional, FCSI was spoken about. Yeah. Obviously, we we learned um, how to elevate uh, our profession. Right, yeah. we didn't want to be referred to as the kitchen guys, and <laughs> we wanted to. Um, be accepted amongst the ranks as a true worthwhile profession that, you know, FCSI, you know, strongly upholds, you know, when, uh, before I had opened my own practice, I was fortunate enough to do a couple of years with uh, Rica. So I worked with Tom and Kathleen, which again, rounded out my education, gave me a new perspective, but it also reinforced a lot of the foundational skills that, uh, that I had brought along. And I was able to test out some of my own theories. Uh, and then um, eventually that led me to open up my own practice. So a follow-up question to that, I guess, I, you know, you've got Cindy Little, who is very East Coast oriented, obviously location-wise, yeah. um, not, not project-wise, but location-wise. And then you've got Ricka, who mm-hmm. is West Coast or West Coast-ish, yeah. if you will, in Denver area. Yeah. Um, did you see a difference in the way they operated as far as firms? Oh, clearly. Or- yeah. Yeah. We started having conversations and obviously I was indoctrinated in the Cini way of doing doing work, which meant a great deal of centralization for mm-hmm. um, production, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, going from going into CAD. I mean, obviously Revit and Vim uh, was all very, very, very new. Right. But, um, you know, it was a good way to look at and then and then um, Ricka having a more of a studio focus. Sure. Less centralization, uh, much wider reach, and then allowing studios to develop their own talent pool. Uh, it was a good contrast, yeah. Uh, which 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 allowed me to, as I said, you know, test a lot of the theories that I had learned uh, and look at things in a different perspective. And I will say that um, you know, Ricka, though it wasn't quote unquote as large as. Sini yeah. uh, with population and people, and maybe even offices at that point, um, you would have never known. Right? Yeah. Their ability to uh, market, present themselves, really leverage the skill set that they have uh, was very, very evident and, and learned a ton in a really short amount of time. 
yeah. uh, that I'd spent with them and still look to them as, as I do to Cini as a gold standard in the, in the areas that they, uh, they work in, sure. they propel in I, a message is very, very clear when it comes through, when you're looking at a Rica or a Cini little project and, and that's, and, and that I respect. Yeah, and well, it makes you a, a well-rounded consultant coming out of that too, because you've looked at it from two different angles as well. So, yeah, you know, think, obviously the confidence enough to start your own studio. So that you obviously worked out very well for you. So it, it has so far. Yeah. So with Develo Studios, is there any certain segments that you focus in on more than others? Is there a top two or three that you get into, or is it really across the board at this point? It is across the board, though we do lean very heavily into business and industry or professional dining, as we like to refer sure. to it, uh, for the fact that we are in New York City, right? I'm calling you from, from Midtown Manhattan at my offices. And we have garnered a reputation across uh, the owner's representatives, the architectural firms, uh, and our clients directly that um, we have a pulse on what uh, the professional dining segment in New York and headquarters yeah whether they start dipping into other cities as well, we tend to um, pull that out of our clients and, yeah. and develop uh, visions that align with where they want to see their staff amenities and their yeah. client dining going. Well, without even realizing you segue into my next question very well. So thank you for that. Um, you're very passionate about the New York city and, and, and you and I have had many conversations. You've done some amazing projects. Um, what is it about, the city of New York that makes it so welcoming and such a hospitality capital, you think? Well, we have uh, quite a few people that move through New York City. I mean, not everybody. And when we say New York City, remember, it's the five boroughs. Right. It's not just Manhattan, where most people refer to it as the city, quote unquote. Um, not everybody lives in Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, and not everybody <laughs> lives in Midtown, where everything is, to be quite yeah. honest. So we're all traveling in. Right. I travel in from an outer borough in, in, in Queens, in Long Island City. And, you know, and I had many years in Brooklyn as well. Um, but um, so you're always somebody's always traveling from somewhere, whether you um, live and work in New York City or if you are in the metro area or if you're you know, one of our millions and millions of tourists that are coming in yeah. because uh, they want to feel the energy that, that New York City delivers. Right. Absolutely. And that's where COVID has been very, very difficult. Uh, with the mass exodus and the uh, the shuttering up of so many businesses, right? Uh, you get that ghost town feeling once again, you know, which harkens back to the days of, you know, the aftermath of nine eleven when we were still here. Correct. It had those eerie feelings, um, but in in the last few uh, months, it's been picking up quite Good. a bit. I've continued to come in because I have very active construction sites. Uh, my Deutsche Bank project uh, at One Columbus Circle has been under construction the entire time. So mm, I've had reasons okay. to come in um, every couple of weeks and so forth. So I've seen the transition of New York City yeah. be a ghost town to where it's actually ticking up and people are, are walking the streets again, uh, which, is, which is an encouraging you know, feeling because yeah. this, this city will come back as it always does. New York City is one of the places, and there's not a lot of cities that I say this to people about traveling. It's it's a must-have 
for people to go to because there's no city like it that I've been to in the world mm-hmm. that has the energy, the level, the walkability, especially Midtown, but also all of yeah. New York, Manhattan, really. Um, mm-hmm. You can walk for miles. If you're a Midwestern guy like me, if you tell me to go walk for five miles, I'm going to tell you I'm going to get in my car and go. <laughs> but when I come to New York City, I'll walk five miles in a day and not even think about it and not realize yeah. I've done it. So. It's a definitely a, a must-have, and I'm glad you mentioned the energy in the city because there is nothing like it in the world, I don't think. Um, coming out of COVID, though, do you see any like permanent changes in the hospitality industry? Has there been anything that you think will change moving forward? Clearly, we're going to have, and we've gone through a vetting of establishments, whether they're hotels, whether they're restaurants, uh, even other companies. Best in breed is going to win out. For sure. Sure. Right. Uh, so we're going, but, but then again, I felt we had an abundance of choice, uh, you know, a yeah. Starbucks on every corner, yeah. right? Sometimes on all four corners, just because it was that busy. Yeah. Is it really that needed? It was it that important. Uh, so it's thinned out, but it's probably finding the level that makes the most sense. Right. And again, best in breed, the better operators, the better uh, the, the people that had the better land deals, the ones that were able to negotiate with their landlords yeah. and, and get relief and, and get something that's reasonable once again. Sure. That's the way it's going to play out because people Good. are going to still want to flock to a city for the jobs, for the energy. Uh, and they're going to, you know, have a price point of, of what they can afford. So Absolutely. we're going to need these places in, in apartment stock as well to make it uh, easy for people to come and stay and enjoy themselves. I, I hope to see it uh, I, back again this soon. I, I know you and I usually see each other at least once a year at, in the fall at around the New York show. So I'm hopeful sure. that this year it'll actually happen again and we get to see each other. Um, of all the projects you've worked on, whether it's on your own or, or with someone else, is there a favorite project or maybe top two that you look back on and, and still have a lot of pride in? Well, I, I will say the Le Cirque projects that, that I worked on um, – not only because they're, they're world-renowned for being operators uh, and, and the level of, of detail that was put into it, but you learn so much from the operators themselves. You're so close to the chefs. You're close to the general managers, the Mater D, the Maccioni family themselves. And that's where you get to see, you know, behind the curtain of Oz of how they look at their business and they share it with you. Yeah. Because hospitality is embedded in their veins and that it comes out very clearly but you don't see that as a guest but you see it when you're helping to create their vision so they can go do what they love to do which is invite people quote-unquote into their home sure Uh, that that has resonated and you know you you learn quite a bit uh from that what's one thing about james that no one would ever guess when they meet you maybe it's a hobby or a trick or something like that that you've got that nobody would ever guess when they meet you nobody would say i'm an open book i i i will agree and my wife to it uh, <laughs> attest to it that uh, i am a dif- difficult nut to crack but um <laughs> as you spend more time with me you understand uh, you know the passions that i have uh i start to align with um nice with friends and also clients well, I always like to put people on the hot seat a little bit too. So tell me a little bit about maybe one of your greatest mistakes or screw ups that you've done in your career that you learned from it. And then from that, what did you learn? Probably speaking your mind uh, too succinctly. 
uh, I have very strong opinions. People know that about me as well. And, uh, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that I have moved on from clients uh, earlier than I would have liked to have um, uh, exited the project, right? When you have somebody passionate across the table from you, whether it be an operator uh, and then you're across the table from them as passionate, sometimes your, <laughs> your ideas do not mesh, Yeah. right? Sometimes you're not seeing it eye to eye. But being a good consultant, you tend to try to take ownership of the project. And you have to remind yourself you're moving on at some point. Yeah. But when you're deep in conversation and trying to get a point across, um, you're, you're wanting the best outcome yeah. for the puzzle that you're creating, right? Yeah. Because you can see a vision and you might not just be, you know, communicating it clearly enough to the other side of the table. And if, you know, you know, wires get crossed, you know, they, they look for somebody that might be a bit more agreeable at times. Sure. So I, I've, I've certainly learned from that. You know, this is not a, a habit that we try to repeat. <laughs> yeah. But we do try to get people to understand, you know, the complexities of what we're trying to juggle when we're just, quote unquote, moving pieces around the board. Yeah. So I know you, you still have a, a good history with Cornell and everything. When somebody comes to you, whether it's a student or maybe somebody thinking about changing careers, what's one piece of advice you give to somebody thinking of becoming a food service consultant? It's, it's operations first. I, I found that um, I still pull back on my days uh, of being a classically trained chef, being able to speak the language of the people around you. And as I tell the architects, we're, we're clearly the translator for uh, the operations um, team yeah. to try to get that physical response, right, that the architect is looking for, all right, and that happy medium. Uh, so if somebody doesn't have a depth of operational experience to pull from, yeah. you know, it, it still uh, will pay dividends for them to come in and, and move through. And then as I've, you know, I've, I've explained to my family, you know, when we go out and, and meet people from, you know, different parts of our industry, um, I let them know that, you know, people's passions about maybe an ice machine mm -hmm. is really, really important to them or a dish machine, right. or certain types of ventilation, it's people live and die by the manufacturers they work for uh, or represent, and they're super passionate about that. And you have to find those people, and those are the manufacturers that we, we tend to keep going back to, the ones that really take their job seriously, understand the space they're working in, and uh, just want to give their best product. As the owner of the firm... What are some, what's a task or maybe a couple tasks that deserve a lot of your attention, but you seldom actually give it to? It, it comes and goes. I mean, as, as the owner, you know, there's lots of pieces and parts that uh, you're keeping this machine going, which you never, ever want to burden uh, the rest of your amazing staff with, right? They yeah. are focused on production. They're focused on client services. They're focused on the myriad of now virtual meetings that you have back to back all day long. But, you know, as we go through it, you know that your professional liability insurance is going to come up every single year, right? <laughs> and ticking through that, uh, ticking through, you know, relocating offices if need be, mm -hmm. uh, ticking through all of the marketing. I would say that is probably the part that uh, I find 
difficult is to stay on top of uh, getting all of the photographs from all of the great yeah. projects that have done. Ooh, good point. Not so much purchasing them, just chasing them down, yeah. talking to the other marketing folks and the to see who owns them and, and how to acquire them. And then one should do. Clearly, they're going to get funneled into presentations, but then getting it up and moving through the website. Yeah. Because you have stories to tell and you want to celebrate your successes. Yeah. And you want to let everybody know that. And you just don't want to wait for proposals or presentations. You want to try to communicate it uh, more more concise and more consistently. Sure. So you're getting ready to travel to see a client. What are the three must-haves you have to take with you to every every site visit or every meeting or whatever? I would say first and foremost, a clear mind, right? Trying to focus on that client and their issues and what you want to accomplish during that time you're with them, whether it be a presentation, a site visit, uh, or you might be pitching new business. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I spend a great deal of time making sure that I'm anticipating where the, the presentation of the meeting is going to go and getting your points asked and answered and driving again that, that vision that you've spent a lot of time thinking about. Yeah. So a clear mind to me is probably the most important. I mean, obviously I'm not leaving without a cell phone uh, <laughs> because I still want to stay in contact, but letting my other team members know where I might be yeah. and to be on the alert for a question yeah. about a document, about a, an RFI, uh, a submittal, yeah. and they constantly are answering quick texts, able to give the information like I'm a magician and I'm just retaining <laughs> all of this in, in the back of my head. But it's it's the team and the team effort to know that when I get on a call, they they could have 12 to 15 different files open, yeah, not knowing where a question might come from. But they're ready. So that has been invaluable. That's and, great and, advice. And, and we work very well to do that. I don't think a lot of people think about that, but that's a great to have that backup. It's like your phone a friend with, uh, what was it, who wants to be a millionaire? It, clearly. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And Very because good. you do want to bring other people into the loop, right? Sure. Speaking as a, as, as a group as opposed to an individual. I mean, that, granted, my, my name is on the masthead. I, uh, what I did rebrand, I gave everybody the opportunity to, to change the company name to something completely different. And I was completely fine with that. But, you know, I, I got a lot of good feedback from both current employees and, and people that I have in the industry. And they said they wanted the name to, they, they felt that it, it resonated with uh, the community out there. Good. But I, I let people constantly know that it, I'm not the one that's, yeah. that's pulling all the strings. Good. Right. I might be the front face, but there's a large team of, of, of dedicated individuals that, uh, that support our efforts. That's a, a very, very healthy uh, way of thinking things. So, well, that's all the formal questions I've got for you today, James. But before I let you go, as sure. you've seen in the previous season, we do like to have a little bit of fun. So I've come up with some questions for you. Um, the first one is, what's your favorite breakfast cereal? If I still ate breakfast cereal, but uh, it would probably be granola. But I okay. uh, I don't have anything at uh, <laughs> consistent, I would say. Uh, fancy restaurant or local dive? Oh, for sure, fancy restaurant. What's a vice that you can't part with? Donuts, Ooh. for sure. Any certain type or just cross? A very, a, a really good donut. Yeah, okay. I, I've been known to search and drive miles to, a, <laughs> to find a donut shop. Um, 
clearly whenever Good. they open. And even when I'm in another city, I will chase one down. Nice. Puppies or kittens? Puppies. Uh, what do you do when you're stuck in traffic to pass the time? I'll probably make phone calls, but uh, I don't drive much. I mean, okay. I'm, I'm on the subway. Yeah, yeah. And to your point of earlier, walking in New York City, I walk all over it just so yeah. I can make phone calls. Absolutely. Uh, live on a moon base or live on a Mars base? Moon base. If you were given $1,000 to spend on your closest friend, what would you get them? Golf lessons. Can I be your friend? Of course. We Uh, can all use more golf lessons. Absolutely. Uh, More spontaneous or a planner? I plan just about everything. If you were in charge of the office vending machine, what are the top three items you'd have to have in there? I'm not a vending guy. I'd probably put donuts (laughs) across the board. (laughs) Very good. Uh, Morning person or a night owl? Morning. Soft tacos or crunchy tacos? Soft tacos. Coke or Pepsi? Coca-Cola. Cookies or brownies? Uh, I'd probably take brownies. Are you a day planner still kind of guy, or are you a digital calendar type of guy now? Digital, and okay. early, early adopter as well. If humans came with a warning label, what would your warning label that you wear say? Um, please have patience. Very good. Perfect. Well, before we let you go, let us let, let the audience know, James, how to get in touch with you and learn more about your firm. Sure. Develo Studios, uh, the website, developstudios.com. That's the best way. Or just uh, call us at 212-500-0565. But any team member, they'll always get uh, any question to me. But uh, that's that's probably the best way to get in touch with us. Great. That's that's great. Um, Well, that wraps up this edition of On Tap, presented by FCSI, the Americas. A huge thank you to James today for joining us. We can't do shows like this without members like yourself. So thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts and turn on those notifications so you don't miss out on any future episodes. But until then, cheers. Cheers.